In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that begins a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great Western Fathers of the Church. Known as the Doctor of Grace, St. Augustine has left us powerfully insightful works such as On the Trinity and The Confessions, to name only two, as well as hundreds of homilies and theological tracts. This Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from his magisterial work, The City of God, wherein St. Augustine reflects on Jesus' battle with demons, highlighted in the gospel proclaimed at Mass today. As to the demons, these false and deceitful mediators, who, though their uncleanness of spirit frequently reveals their misery, yet by virtue of the levity of their aerial bodies and the nature of the places they inhabit, do contrive to turn us aside and hinder our spiritual progress. They do not help us towards God, but rather prevent us from reaching him. Since even in the bodily way, which is erroneous and misleading, and in which righteousness does not walk, for we must rise to God, not by bodily ascent, but by incorporeal or spiritual conformity to him, in this bodily way, I say, which the friends of the demons arrange according to the weight of the various elements. The aerial demons being set between the ethereal gods and earthly men. They imagine the gods to have this privilege that by this local interval, they are preserved from the pollution of human contact. They believe that the demons are contaminated by men rather than men cleansed by demons, and that the gods themselves should be polluted unless their local superiority 
preserve them. Who is so wretched a creature as to expect purification by a way in which men are contaminating, demons contaminated, and gods contaminable? Who would not rather choose that way whereby we escape the contamination of the demons and are cleansed from pollution by the incontaminable God so as to be associated with the uncontaminated angels? But as some of these demonolators, as I may call them, and among them Labo, allege that those whom they call demons are by others called angels, I must, if I would not seem to dispute merely about words, say something about the good angels. The Platonists do not deny their existence, but prefer to call them good demons. But we, following Scripture, according to which we are Christians, have learned that some of the angels are good, some bad, but never have we read in the scripture of good demons. But wherever this or any cognate term occurs, it is applied only to the wicked spirits. And this usage has become so universal that even among those who are called pagans and who maintain that demons as well as gods should be worshipped, there is scarcely a man no matter how well read and learned, who would dare to say by way of praise to his slave, you have a demon, or who could doubt that the man to whom he said this would consider it a curse? Why then are we to subject ourselves to the necessity of explaining away what we have said when we have given offense by using the word demon? with which everyone, or almost everyone, connects a bad meaning, while we can so easily evade this necessity by using the word angel. However, the very origin of the same suggests something worthy of consideration, if we compare it with the divine books. They are called demons from a Greek word meaning knowledge. Now, the apostle, speaking with the Holy Spirit, says, Knowledge puffs up, but charity builds up. And this can only be understood as meaning that without charity, knowledge does no good, but inflates a man or magnifies him with an empty windiness. The demons, then, have knowledge without charity, and are thereby so inflated or proud that they crave those divine honors and religious services which they know to be due to the true God, and still, as far as they can, exact these from all over whom they have influence. Against this pride of the demons, under which the human race was held subject as it merited punishment, there was exerted the mighty influence of the humility of God, 
who appeared in the form of a servant, but men, resembling the demons in pride, but not in knowledge, and being puffed up with uncleanness, failed to recognize him. The devils themselves knew this manifestation of God so well that they said to the Lord, though clothed with the infirmity of flesh, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us before the time? From these words, it is clear that they had great knowledge and no charity. They feared his power to punish and did not love his righteousness. He made known to them so much as he pleased, and he was pleased to make known so much as was needful. But he made himself known, not as to the holy angels, who know him as the word of God, and rejoice in his eternity, which they partake, but as was requisite to strike with terror the beings from whose tyranny he was going to free those who were predestined to his kingdom and glory of it, eternally true and truly eternal. He made himself known, therefore, to the demons, not by that which is life eternal and the unchangeable light which illumines the pious, whose souls are cleansed by faith that is in him, but by some temporal effects of his power and evidences of his mysterious presence, which were more easily discerned by the angelic senses, even of wicked spirits, than by human infirmity. But when he judged it advisable, gradually to suppress these signs and to retire into deeper obscurity, the prince of the demons doubted whether he was the Christ and endeavored to ascertain this by tempting him insofar as he permitted himself to be tempted, that he might adapt the manhood he wore to be an example for our imitation. But after that temptation, when, as the scripture says, he was ministered to by the angels who are good and holy, and therefore objects of terror to the impure spirits, he revealed more distinctly to the demons how great he was, so that even though the infirmity of his flesh might seem contemptible, None dared to resist his authority. The good angels, therefore, hold cheap all that knowledge of material and transitory things which the demons are so proud of possessing. Not that they are ignorant of these things, but because the love of God, whereby they are sanctified, is very dear to them and because in comparison of that not merely immaterial, but also unchangeable and ineffable beauty, with the holy love of which they are inflamed, 
They despise all things which are beneath it, and all that is not it, that they may with every good thing that is in them enjoy that good which is their source of their goodness. And therefore, they have more certain knowledge, even of those temporal and mutable things, because they contemplate their principles and causes in the word of God, and by which the world was made. Those causes by which one thing is approved, another rejected, and all arranged. But the demons do not behold in the wisdom of God these eternal and, as it were, cardinal causes of things temporal, but only foresee a larger part of the future than men do by reason of their greater acquaintance with the signs which are hidden from us. Sometimes, too, it is their own intentions they predict. And finally, the demons are frequently, the angels never, deceived. For it is one thing by the aid of things temporal and changeable to conjecture the changes that may occur in time and to modify such things by one's own will and faculty, and thus is to a certain extent permitted to the demons. It is another thing to foresee the changes of times in the eternal and immutable laws of God, which live in his wisdom, and to know the will of God, the most ineffable and powerful of all causes, by participating in his spirit. And this is granted to the holy angels by a just discretion. And thus, they are not only eternal, but blessed. And the good wherein they are blessed is God, by whom they were created. For without end, they enjoy the contemplation and participation of him. St. Augustine of Hippo, pray for us. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord our God, that we may honor you with all our mind and love everyone in truth of heart. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.